I just stand in awe of God and what he does in such amazing ways. And uh, man, I've seen that thing so many times, amazed, it just still hits me. The faith of the family and God's provision for them. And so I, I was able to give a quick call to Monroe and the family yesterday and just thank them for, for their willingness to share. What a beautiful thing for them to share with our church family this incredible story. And uh, anyway, I want to speak a little bit more about their story. But first, can I give a shout out and say hi to everybody at Bush Lake, at West Tonka, for those that are online and everybody who's here gathered. And if you're a guest, hi, I'm Joel. <laughs> I've been gone for seven weeks, so thanks for still being here, everybody. It's fun to be together and to see you again. And I was away at a study leave where I had the opportunity for rest and renewal. So grateful for that time for our family. I was um, able to step into some good study and preparation for the ministry months ahead. But there was plenty of time for solitude and prayer. And prayer has just been our way forward from the very beginning of our journey as a church. And it is again today. And it's prayer that we've been offering up for anticipation really for months now. And then specifically this week, I'm telling you, dozens and dozens of people have been interceding for God to meet us this week the way God wants to meet us. I came in at 7.30 this morning and there were people walking and praying all over our campus and all of our sites. And I'm just grateful for all of you who've been asking God to meet us. God is gonna meet us today. And the prayer has been around the message from James. And the message is really quite simple. God heals. God heals. From ancient times to modern times, from the Bible to the backyards of your home, God is a healing God. And when you go through the Gospels and read what Jesus was doing as he went from village to village and town to town and how he just made himself as God available to the brokenness of humanity, it's astonishing and beautiful and lovely in every way. We find that he prayed, sometimes an individual, but sometimes a whole crowd. It was amazing. And sometimes it was a child and sometimes an adult. And sometimes he prayed for chronic conditions that somebody was dealing with and others acute illnesses like little Monroe, the story that we've just heard. I mean, how many of you have heard of transverse mellitus? Not many of us have ever even heard, but God knows. He knows how the body works. He steps in. He did that healing work. We find that Jesus healed doubters. Now that's something. He healed doubters and believers. He healed Gentiles and Jews, but God heals. And it's not rare. It's far more common than ever you would believe. So I was delighted to see the results of the work that we saw from Mark Middleberg and and, uh, and his colleague, when they did put together and asked for a commission for a national um, research study on, um, in America for American adults on this question, does God still heal the sick? This was just in 2019. And the results, quite honestly, delight me. I was so, because we start to think, oh, God's being lost in our culture. No, he's not. People are longing for God. Look at the results just from a few of the questions. One of the questions is, um, do you believe that the miracles of the Bible, the way they're described in the scriptures, actually happened? Over half said yes. And then you go to the question, do you believe that it's possible today to experience a miracle for God in healing? And look at this, 67%. How can that be? It just tells you at least the longing of the heart of everyone is to be healed and to be helped when they're in that time of need. And they have that hope that it could happen. And then the 
the experience one is really interesting. I thought it was a great question. Have you ever experienced something in your life that could only be explained, a healing that could be explained by a miracle of God, a provision of God? And 38% said yes. Now that's an astonishing reality that it's not rare, it's more common and you can show me how many of you have experienced something that you could explain away only as being a miracle from God. Raise your hand. Yeah, well more than 38%. We come with this conviction that God heals. That when you're sick, when pain is somewhere in your life or in your body, it's top of mind. And you're thinking, God, help. God, heal. Somebody bring relief to this journey that you're going through. And that's not just for physical kinds of challenges. It might be a health ailment, but maybe what you're dealing with is an addiction that just holds you in bondage. Or maybe it's a depression that's just hovering over you. Or perhaps an anxiety that's rising up and you just can't get a hold of it. Or perhaps it's a relationship that's broken. I'm just saying the healing isn't just about physical sickness. It relates to the physical and the emotional and the relational and the spiritual, the whole of our bodies and our souls and our journey and our families God cares for. God heals. And James, in our study today, wow, what he does in this early church that will be passed on in this letter for all these years to come, he experiences a spiritual healing in his own life that would open the door for him to become the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. And he writes these words of instruction of how you pray um, for healing when you're sick. If you're following, you can take a look at James chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then he gives the example of Elijah as a righteous person and the power of his praying, which we will get to. But I think it's very clear to say that when you are sick, there's something in most of us that would say God can do something and God, we hope, will do something with whatever it is that we're dealing with. So two things I wanna do today. One, I wanna unpack the instruction of James. It's so simple and so clear, but so profound and so helpful. Secondly, I'm gonna just again remind you that we've been praying over this service for God to do a mighty work, and at the conclusion of the service, we're gonna leave time. I'm gonna um, actually conclude my teaching time a little bit early, and you're going, no way. Yes way. <laughs> and I'm gonna give room for the spirit to work in your life, and you'll be welcome to make your way forward. I'll have a special prayer for those that are online as well, so we, we jump into it. So if you're one of the, I would say more few, who would say, well, I've asked God for healing before, and nothing ever happened, so therefore you stopped asking. I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, all of us know that sometimes God says yes, definitively. And sometimes God says no. And sometimes he says, not yet. We know that to be true. 
And it's easy for us to think, well, I've asked and nothing happened, so therefore it must not be part of God's will and way. But my friends, don't stop asking for a couple of reasons. God loves it when we ask. He is our father. And when a child comes as a dad with four kids, when my kid comes with a need, I feel that need for my kid in a very personal way. And when they come, I know it's hard for them to come. But when they're coming, they're saying to me, Dad, I trust you, and I know that you'll be with me. You and Mom will be with us with what we're going through, and we will be. And it's the same with our Father in heaven. He just delights it. He loves when we come and we ask, and we ask, and we ask, because we're saying we trust you, and we know that you're with us, and you'll know that, we know that you'll guide us, that even in the asking, he begins to direct a way forward. But also, we know that there's a purpose to God's answers. Whether it's a yes or a no or a not yet, he always has a purpose in it. And so we avail ourselves to that given purpose. We might have to think deeply about what that is, no doubt, but he does. I think about the Apostle Paul, this man of just massive faith. Uh, What a conversion and what a purpose God had for him in life. But I'm telling you, here he had what he described as a thorn in his flesh. Have you ever had a thorn in your flesh? It hurts, would you agree? Whatever it was, we don't know the specifics, but it was a deep, deep pain. So much so that three times we see that he pleads before the Lord, is there any way you could take this from me? Heal me from this thorn in the flesh. And after the third pleading, this sense of urgency, it becomes known to him, somehow God revealed to him that it wasn't going to be taken away. And he gets this calm that comes over him and realizes God has purpose even in the no. He actually defines it in the scriptures. For him, the purpose for the no was to humble him, which would always bring him back to his pre-Christ days. Here was a guy brilliant of mind, but was full of himself and full of pride. And he would always be reminded through that thorn to walk humbly with your God. And God would use him through thick and thin, and that was a lot of thick, to make the gospel known so that we could even come and worship here today. That comes from the faithfulness and obedience of Paul. So I'm just saying, if God gives you a definitive yes, there's purpose in it. Have the wisdom to not waste it. And if God says no or not yet, then know that there's purpose in it and don't waste it. God will lead and to guide your steps. So we jump into this beautiful truth of Jesus who said, you have not because you ask not. So ask is what he's saying. And today we're gonna be asking. And then James gives us the beauty of, of, of an explanation, an instruction of how you ask for healing when you're in a broken place. And he does it by giving three kinds of praying that we're called to enter into. Let's walk through each of these that are identified, James. First of all, praying for yourself. Seems like it might be so obvious. Of course I'm gonna pray for myself. And you may naturally be inclined, oh God, help me, help me in this time of need. But how quickly, if you don't get the answer that you're looking for, you can move away from asking. And he's saying, keep asking. It's the beginning journey of that healing process. And it's a praying for yourself that's identified in James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And I read this, and I see here a rhythm for life, that our lives are to be marked with this rhythm of prayer and praise. So go to God when you have trouble or suffering in your life and pray before him. 
or when things are well and you're happy in your life, go to God and praise God. Prayer and praise is part of the whole of our life, that every day of our life is a place for prayer and praise, and he calls us to live into that given truth. And I love this verse because it says, is anyone among you in trouble? And it doesn't specify the kind of trouble or suffering. They had plenty of troubles and suffering then, just as we do as well but he doesn't specify this trouble or this suffering. It's any trouble, it's any suffering that his healing is for you physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. So you have this beautiful reminder to pray for yourself. Yes, invite others to be with you. You're gonna naturally want to do that, but begin by praying for yourself and don't stop. Bring your quest before the living God. Which, by the way, Teresa, the mom to Monroe in that video, praying herself for the reality of what she was going through, beseeching the Lord over and over. You just feel the pain of a mom on bended knee. And she says, I then had, and she just paused, a moment of calm. That God will give us what we need. I want to say that moment of calm came before the healing of Monroe. It was given to her because she was praying for herself and for Monroe and for their family. And God magnified his name and had purpose in that praying. And the bond of love and faith was deepened for Monroe as it was for the Apostle Paul, as it is for us when we pray for ourselves. So we are called to pray for yourself. And when you pray for yourself, James doesn't stop there. He gives two other really insightful thoughts that you might find interesting and helpful. Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's the first. The second, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want to speak to each of these because the first one speaks about something that I must do. It's very clear. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray. Confess your sins to the Lord, but also to others who have been offended by the, the grievance that has been there, something you've said or done. And so we have this call for confession. And you know, it's just easy to minimize the role and the power of confession. It's one of those disciplines and practices of the soul that keep your heart soft for the Lord and what he's doing. Let me give an example of why I think this is included by James in this letter for us and how important that is. Many of you know that for about six years now, I have been trying to manage um, type two diabetes. So I'm a, t a diabetic and I have to manage the blood sugars in my system, which can I just be totally honest, is annoying beyond belief because I really like malts. <laughs> I really like fries and I really like Pies, could I go on? Yes. So I get to have those things in smaller measure because if I don't pay attention to my blood sugars, what happens is my arteries begin to grow with plaque and restricts the flow of blood to my heart, eventually leading to some kind of heart failure if I don't pay attention to it. So I have to pay attention. And I think confession is the same way. We're called to pay attention to a reality we have a problem. We have a sin problem. That would be a really good place to say amen. amen. We have a sin problem. Amen. Yeah, thank you. You are aware. You have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. And it's really important that we pay attention to our sin problem because we'll stop confessing. 
And an unconfessed sin will, will, like plaque, create obstruction in the flow of your love from God, for God, and you'll start to move away from God. You'll start to try to do everything on your own. You'll start to find the delights of your sin, whether that be a pie or malt or whatever that is. You have, that's only figurative. You know your sin. It gets in the way of that flow. But confessing cleanses us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our, of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We read these verses so often that sometimes we lose the awe and wonder. You're willing to do that, God, for all of my sin? And he goes, oh yeah, did it with Jesus on the cross. He covered that territory for us. So I'm really grateful for the reality that we have confession. Let it be a frequent confessional practice in your life. I think about David, the man after God's own, far, God's own heart. And look what he did. He moved away from the Lord. He, he has a sin, big sin, that compounds itself into other sins. And the, the love for God, the man after God's own heart, finds himself distancing himself from the very God who brought him life and put him in the position of uh, prosperity that he was enjoying. And it, his life spirals. It's just a mess. And it's only when he's broken that he gets on his knees and he confesses his sin to the Lord. And what does God do? He blows open the door of restoration for him. That's what happens because the flow line is in place again. That's the call. Something that I must do is confess sin. But then there's something else here to be noted. And this verse, um, quite honestly, has been misapplied uh, for a long time. And I hope that a simple correction will be helpful to you. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And it kind of begs the question, well, what makes a person righteous to the end that their prayer could be powerful and effective even unto healing? Because I want to be that kind of person and we make it about us. But we know this to be true. The, the, the right question is not what makes a person righteous so that they could pray powerfully like this. It's who makes a person righteous because the scriptures are clear that no one, not one, is righteous. None of you, and myself included, are righteous um, in, in the presence of the Lord, that we are people marked by sin. But there is one who is righteous, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. The interactive question's working. It's Jesus. Friends, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. The victory on that cross that postures us to be able to pray in a way that's powerful and effective. See, when you put your faith in Jesus, um, what you're saying is, yes, I receive Jesus as Savior, as Lord of my life. And when that happens, there's a spiritual transformation and even transaction. The Holy Spirit indwells you. And mediates the very person of Jesus in your life so that his righteousness is covering you in the presence of God. So now let's reread it. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a person who has said yes to Jesus Christ so that his righteousness makes your way of prayer powerful and effective is what this refers to. It's not about your moral goodness. It's not about your worth. So it's about, it's about God. It's never been about you. Aren't you glad? <laughs> oh, thank God, because man, I have days I go, why do I keep sinning? Why does that happen to me? Uh, 
I have to align all the time through that confessional place and the power of the righteousness of Christ works in me. And little Monron, I love this because Jesus said, let the little children come to me because they teach us all the time. And when she said, or when mom quoted her words as saying, I know that Jesus is healing me. Oh, I love that moment because that's the promise of the righteous Christ. And in our praying by faith in that Christ who is in us, there's prayer that is effective and powerful for even healing. So James lays before us this first kind of praying, which is for self, but then a second kind of praying, which is really quite interesting. It is a, it's a praying of the elders over the sick. Many Christ followers don't even know this is here, but if you're sick, we have an invitation to call on the elders. In fact, the verse reads this way. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be filled, um, they will be forgiven. I think about so few words, such massive goodness in this little text that we get to read right now. Let me call out a few things for you. Call on the elders. Elders are simply appointed spiritual leaders of deep faith um, in the local church from the first century even today that usually the churches affirm and their faith is what I would call a multiplied faith. Yes, call a friend, but call upon the elders and a multiplied faith who will um, bring you into the presence of the, the Lord and pray for you and for your sickness to be healed by the mighty touch of Jesus. So it's a multiplied faith. So call on the elders. So just, if you didn't know this, know that Westwood has formally 10 appointed elders. We call it the leadership board. And we're available to coordinate and plan with you. If you call, the initiative is on your part to call and say, we would like to invite you to pray for us. And we'll come to your home or anywhere. We'll do that. That's available to you. And then it says, anoint them with oil. When you do come and you're anointed with oil, that's a practice throughout biblical times and in other cultures even today, symbolic of um, healing. But specifically in the scriptures, healing that comes through the compassionate mercy of Jesus who says, I see your need. I see your need. And I want to do something about it. So the oil simply is symbolic of the Lord's desire to do something in you. Implied here, not stated here, but in other places of scripture is the laying on of hands that you find when we come and pray over the sick. And again, that is just a unity of faith that says we believe that God heals. And then there's this phrase, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up and unfortunately, it's been misapplied so that if a person who is sick doesn't experience a healing, some Christians have said to other Christians, it's because your faith, you didn't come with enough faith. That makes that verse very shaming, doesn't it? It's not helpful when we've been given something there that's really important because the outcome in the Greek is stated as a definitive and it's an important definitive and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So, Okay, we have a definitive, we are gonna be made well and we will be raised up, but in what measure does that happen? So we know sometimes that, not always, that it's a definitive rising up. We know that not everybody who prays by faith prays in a way that they actually see it happen. And I just wanna call out that the, the faith here is 
um, is the object, and it's about the conviction of faith, not the moral quality of your faith. We, we put it on to you. What are you doing in your life? You must be doing something wrong or whatever, and that's why God isn't healing. No, this is about the conviction of faith. So when Bartimaeus, the blind man, is sitting on the side of the road, and the crowds are all around Jesus, and the disciples are there, and he, you know, he's blind. He's sitting on the side of the road. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus doesn't hear it, but he, he cries out again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it's such a beautiful scene because Jesus hears it and he beelines it over and the crowd is pushing and he gets there and he sees the blind man and he says, what a beautiful question. What do you want me to do for you? Have you ever envisioned Jesus asking you that question? What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus, take him. He said, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Stand. The object was on his faith. The outcome was a healing, but it was his faith. And the faith is a faith of conviction. Do you believe God heals? So let me ask that in an interactive way. Do you believe God heals? That's a conviction of faith that we're called to in the passage. Use these words quite wisely is the call. So it's not the elders who heal. It's not the oil that heals. It's not the laying on of hands that heals. It's God that heals through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a conviction. It belongs to him. However, do not lose the mystery that he somehow uses the faith of people to bring about healing. I can't do the math on how that equation works out but faith matters. In fact, it takes us to our third. We pray for ourselves. We ask the elders to come. But third, we pray for each other. This is a wonderful and beautiful thing, friends. You have been given the power from Jesus Christ to offer prayers for healing of loved ones in your own life. Don't look for the hierarchy of the church. Don't look for uh, alone or don't look for pastors simply to be part of it or great spiritual leaders that are in your life. No, if you have faith in Jesus Christ and the conviction of faith that God heals, Embrace the wonder of the fact that we get to pray for each other. In fact, James says it so clearly. Therefore, pray for each other so that you may be healed. What a gift this is. And he goes on to give an example. And it's a surprising example. It's Elijah. Look what he says. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. See, we think of Elijah, this great leader that we learn about in the Hebrew scriptures, as a man called out, separate from us, a special calling and anointing by God, and therefore he was able to pray powerfully and effectively. But no, this is not at all what James is saying. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. So it's just a simple reminder for us, friends, please know that Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me and I'm giving it to you. He gave it to the 12, he gave it to the 70, and he's given it to Christ followers through every generation. He works through the prayers of his people. I know it's a mystery, but a beautiful one. And the practical side of that is quite simply this. When a loved one says, "Um, would you pray for me? Your response will likely be, yeah, count on me, I'll pray for you. And you may take that praying into the you know, prayer room of your own home, wherever that might be, or in the car, pray for so-and-so. I just want to raise the bar for you. Yes, do that in the privacy of your home. But when somebody asks you to pray for them, 
stop right there and then and say, can I pray for you right now? And if they say yes, you place your hand on them and you pray and they will say yes. Experience the presence of the Lord through that beautiful expression that he gives to us in the body of Christ and watch how God works in it. So we get to be the church, which means we get to heal and brings us to this given place where we take the instruction of James, pray for yourself, pray for others, call and pray for the elders to pray over you, and this is how you ask for healing, for God's presence and healing. So I would like to do that just now. I'd like to do a guided prayer with each of those three expressions and invite you to step in and join me in that. And then a special prayer that I'll give in a few moments to those that are online. But for all of us, wherever you are, would you welcome a posture of humility and just open your hands and receive this prayer. First, say this quietly. Lord Jesus, I confess my faith. In your own heart, say that. I believe you are the Son of God. I receive you as Savior and Lord of my life. And I confess my sin. Lord, I have sinned. And I know you see it. But I confess it. And I receive your promise to cleanse me from all unrighteousness when I confess. I believe you cleanse me. So hear my confession. Take a moment. Name your sin. Confess it to the Lord as you confess him as Lord. Now I invite you to pray for someone that you know, a loved one, who is sick, perhaps physically sick or emotionally sick or relationally sick or spiritually sick. And quietly in your heart say, Lord Jesus, by faith I bring to you, state their name, and offer their sickness to the Lord to do his work. them. We love them. So help them. Heal them. Make them well, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. At this time, I would like to invite the elders, the pastors, the prayer leaders who have been prepared for this moment to make their way to the front. I'm going to invite everyone at our site just to remain for a moment at all of our sites and be seated. I'm going to give just a few words. If you were to come forward and you'll get that invitation shortly, um, you will be asked three questions so that there's no surprises. What is your name? 
And whether we know you or not, please say your, share your name because it's you taking the initiative. It's an affirmation. I'm coming saying, God heals. And then we'll ask the question, do you want to be made well? The very question that Jesus um, offered the invalid of 38 years. And what a question it is. It's funny because Jesus didn't ask for the details. He knows the details. And so it is with us. Just say yes or no. I want to be made well. No more detail is necessary because this is in the hands of the Lord. Um, and the third, would you like to receive anointing with oil, which is to take a little bit of oil, place it on your forehead in the form of the cross, praying in the name of the Father and the Son that God would heal you. Now, we realize not everybody can come forward. We have a large um, audience that's with us and church that's with us just online. So I'd like to offer a prayer for you as well. I'm going to ask that we get released and go to the sites so everyone can at each of our sites experience what we're experiencing here in Shan at Bush Lake and at West Tonka. We'll go to our sites. Now for those that are online with us, um, wherever you are, if you would like to receive a prayer of healing, I'm going to invite you to stand. If you're at home, stand to receive the prayers, a gesture of yes. If you're at the airport, stand. If you're on a run, stop. and receive this prayer. Heavenly Father, we come, I come by faith before you, the great restorer, asking you to restore this, your son, your daughter, because you're God. The one who heals, the one who forgives sin, the one who lifts us up with your mighty right hand, so God, heal. Wherever people are standing, heal. Forgive sins. Lift them up with your mighty right hand, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God's peace to you. May you experience the warmth and the presence of the Lord in that prayer, wherever you might be. And now I take our theme verse, um, Hebrews 4.16, and key word for 2023, 20, confidence. Friends, let us approach, therefore, God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find help in our time of need. Isn't that a beautiful promise? So come humbly and boldly wherever you are. If you would like to receive a prayer of healing, you may make your way to the front. All of us have the same prayer. We're delighted to offer it to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So come as you feel prompted by the Lord.